Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Dropping Paradigms podcast. Before we get into today's podcast, I just wanted to jump on here and uh, let our new listeners kind of know uh, what we're all about. So uh, when, when you normally hear Dropping Dimes, it's in reference to sports, and it's that you know one player uh, throwing a pass, getting that assist for another player. Uh, but in, in our world, when we say we're Dropping Dimes, we're Dropping Paradigms. And we're going to use movies, TV shows, sports, and kind of that real life uh, to give you those dimes and help you understand how to be a better leader, how to build that cultural advantage, or just you know how to uh, go about strengthening an existing or even maybe a new relationship that you're going to walk into. And also, as you listen today, uh, just want to let you know, we had a couple technical difficulties recording I think we got through most of them, but if you do hear those, uh, just know that uh, we're working to make this podcast better each and every week. So thanks for listening. We'll get started with the show. Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back to the Dropping Paradigms podcast here for episode two. My name is Heath Hunter. I'm Tori Donato. And today uh, we've got a little uh, treat for you, kicking it back to our childhood, back to 1993. Yeah. With uh, probably one of my favorite baseball movies, if not my favorite. For sure. Uh, I so, might put Angels in the Outfield oh. as, a, as, a, as a close second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, this, this this is for sure up there. Yeah. So uh, we're talking, of course, about the Sandlot. So before we jump into the Sandlot, can you give us a little taste of what was happening back in 1993? For sure. So circa 1993, a ticket to the movies was $4.14. Bill Clinton was our president. Uh, in the year of 1993, Canada elected their first female prime minister. That's for all of our new Canadian listeners that we yep. apparently have now. Of course, yeah. <laughs> We're world, worldwide. Prestige worldwide. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston um, ended the year number one on the Billboard 100. Great song, great song. Yep. Uh, Jurassic Park was the highest grossing movie in the world. The original Jurassic Park. Which is still, I think there's another one like set to come out. Yeah, yeah, I want to see next year. Yeah. My, my kids are stupid excited about it. <laughs> uh, for those of you that are familiar with David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, uh, in 1993, the FBI raided the Branch Davidian complex. Uh, have you seen Waco? Oh, uh, I that, think it's on that Netflix. That is a crazy uh, show. I did, I did watch yeah, it. It's, that, it's kind of disturbing uh, at times, but it, it's, it's an interesting look at the Branch Davidian complex for sure. Uh, let's see, Michael Jordan retired for the first time, not to be the last. Uh, and then uh, Michael Jackson performed the halftime show at Super Bowl Twenty Eight. Trivia, who played in Super Bowl Twenty Eight? Uh, 93? 93. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I, it's, <laughs> I didn't look that up. <laughs> well, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, we have a research department. Like This is a big budget podcast, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so we've got our own research department. I mean, at least tens of dollars going into this. Yeah. So I was going to guess this just because I'm a fan. Uh, I was going to guess the Cowboys. And 
of course, it was the Cowboys. It was Cowboys-Bills. All right, so we had a little bit of technical issues, but we're back. So we were just talking about Cowboys-Bills. Cowboys-Bills. 52-17. Yeah. I got 17 right. <laughs> I did get 17 right. Yeah, it's close enough. It's a, it's a Cowboys win. That's really all that uh, matters. All right, man. So we've got 1993. Let's step into what the Sandlot was about for yeah. those of you that may not have seen it in a while, may have never seen it. If you've never seen it, that's a separate issue we're going to talk about later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go watch it on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Uh, all right, so quick little storyline premise. So Scotty Smalls moves to a new neighborhood with his mom and stepdad and wants to learn to play baseball. And then enter uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, the neighborhood baseball guru, who takes Smalls under his wing, and soon he becomes part of the local baseball buddies. I did not write this, by the way. This is straight from IMDb. So <laughs> The baseball buddies. <laughs> They uh, fall into adventures involving baseball, treehouse sleep-ins, the desirous lifeguard at the local pool, <laughs> the snooty rival ball team, and the traveling fair. Beyond the fence at the back of the sandlot menaces a legendary ball-eating dog called the Beast, and the kids will eventually have to deal with him. Yeah, again, IMDb, great job there. Not That's me. a pretty good synopsis there by I, IMDb. Uh, before we get into actually dropping our dimes, though, I wanted to see if I'd put you a little quiz. I wrote down 14 of the main characters Ooh, from the Sandlot. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, there's nine of the ballplayers. Yep. And there's a few more of like the supporting cast, but still kind of main characters. Okay. How many can you get? All right, so we got... Uh, I already named one of them. Smalls, obviously. We got uh, Smalls' mom. I don't know what yep. her name is. Uh, it just says mom in mom, here, so I'll uh, give you that You've got his stepdad, Bill. Ooh, yeah. You have got Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Uh, you've got Wendy Peppercorn. Five. That's that's the desirous lifeguard. Yes, for the those. desirous lifeguard. Uh, you've got Squints Paladoris. Uh, let's see. You've got Yeah Yeah. You have... Um, Halfway there. Oh, man. Uh, what are those guys' names? The pitcher. I forget his name. There's legitimately people <laughs> are listening to this right now yelling at you and Dang yelling it. his name. Um, and then there's there's a, there's a brother that repeats after his older brother. Uh, oh, what are their names? You were so close to saying his nickname. Uh, you said re... You said repeats. His nickname re- is Repeat. Repeat, uh, well, I'm blanking on it. It was names. Tommy and Timmy Tibbins. Tommy Timmons. and Timmy Tibbins, yeah. You got Kenny DeNunez, which was oh, the pitcher. Oh, DeNunez was the pitcher, yep. yeah. You got Bertram Grover Weeks. And, I mean, you left out probably one of the oh, most man. iconic. Why Why am I blanking on the guy? It's it's. He actually, if you follow him on Twitter, he just put out a uh, picture or a video of him Bay doing. Ruth. Yeah. Yep. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. <laughs> it's it's Hamilton Ham Porter. And then the other ones that you missed were the Beast, oh, aka and, Hercules, and, and then Mr. Myrtle. Mr. Myrtle. Okay. All right, man. So decent job there getting fifty percent. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh maybe we should just drop the dimes. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, we should go ahead and drop these dice. <laughs> Leave the trivia to those that are actually good at trivia. So you want to start? Yeah, 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 I can start, man. So um, let's see, the first time I got, you know, this this story of the Sandlot um, in the opening credits, you'll hear a voice, and it is the adult Scotty Smalls who is narrating throughout the movie. So the first time I have is just the, the dime about stories and the fact that everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has something that they've gone through. Everybody has something that defines who they are as a person or who they want to be as a person. And one of the best ways to do that and one of the best ways to show other people who you are is this art of storytelling. You know, if you think about it, uh, the art of storytelling goes back, I mean, I'd say maybe to the existence of humans. Uh, Well, I I believe there's a book that actually uh, recounts the first, you know, human beings there, Adam and Eve, you know, being the Bible. I believe so. Which, I mean, there's an entire story about Adam and Eve. So I think... I think you're right. Yeah. So good on you for getting that trivia today. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, there's, there's, and put it in modern terms today. You come home from work, uh, you're, you're either asking your spouse or significant other how work was, or you're telling them how work went. And if you've got kids, your kids want to tell you how their day went or what they learned at school. Uh, it might be that you watched a great movie and you want to go tell somebody about the movie or you read a, a great book and you want to go tell somebody about the book. And it's all encapsulated in a story. And so my first time is, I guess my, my, my thought to myself anyway is, when did we stop telling stories? Yeah, I mean, that, it's a great, a great question. I know... I will hundred percent honesty. I hadn't even not even thought about like that aspect of, you know, Scotty Smalls telling the story, but you're hundred percent correct. And, you know, I think that it was interesting because that story is really what kind of shaped him for the future. But like, I, I know for me, I find it difficult sometimes to just summarize my day or, you know, even, you know, put into words, you know, events that happened. So I, Great, great question. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it was just something that, that I was, I was thinking about because the one thing that I know is true about stories is that their effect and their impact is unbelievable. I don't think you can even quantify it because a lot of times people will tell stories about somebody they met. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I met a guy yesterday pastor of a new church that's that's getting built up here on Dexter Avenue. For those of you that don't live in Alabama or, or don't are not familiar with Montgomery, Dexter Avenue is one of the most important historical streets in Montgomery. It's where where Rosa Parks um, decided to not go to the back of the bus. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. had a church here on Dexter Avenue. Um, civil rights movements, all, all sorts of stuff. Dexter Avenue is a really important street in Montgomery. And I met the pastor of this church yesterday and was just talking to this guy. And all he did was tell me his story about how he and his family left their their life in California because they had a calling to come to Montgomery, Alabama, of all places, to set up a church. 
uh, how he offered the folks um, for the for the house that they live in now how he offered them one hundred thousand dollars less than the asking price and they accept it how he has been fighting tooth and nail for these building inspections and to get this building transitioned into um, where it's licensed to be a church and all this sort of stuff and you know you you would figure out every every turn oh here's here's another obstacle here's a wall and they just all are coming down and so I went home and I could not stop talking about this guy to my wife I could not I was like you won't believe the person that I just met this and his story and I did a terrible job of recounting that story. I'm doing a terrible job of recounting the story now. But the fact is that his story had such an impact on me that I had to go tell it to somebody else. And that is the thing that I want you guys, that I think people need to take away, is that when you tell your story, it is going to impact somebody else. 100%. Whether you think it is or not, I'm telling you right now it's going to impact somebody else. And that person is going to go tell somebody else. And that person is going to go tell somebody else. So it's, it's sort of like that notion of, of, of paying it forward. You know, you, you do a good deed for somebody and the only thing you want in return is maybe for that person to go do a good deed for somebody else. Well, it's the same thing when you look at stories. And that's how, how, we, how we know so much about our histories because people told stories about what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced, um, what somebody else experienced that, they, that was told to them that they decided to pass on to each other. And so uh, my encouragement and my dime is just tell your story. Every, every, everybody has a story um, to, and to tell it. Yeah, I, I wish you guys could have been here or that this was a video podcast and you could have seen like Tori's entire demeanor as he started talking about this guy like changed. You know, his eyes got wide, his uh, facial expressions like kind of got a smile on his face. He got a lot more animated. So you can see, you know, how this one story and now we, we all aren't going to have, you know, the story that has all of this historical connotation with it, but we do all have a story and it is important. And I think people will listen if you're willing to tell it. And I know, like, at least in my house, you know, sometimes I've, I've been guilty of not telling my story. And sometimes that even causes some internal angst in myself, which then gets reflected out to my family. So I, I know for me, man, like the next time, you know, I'm just going to tell my story. Like yeah. I, something happened in the day that I know will, you know, my wife or my kids will at least be interested in. And then I'm going to make sure they tell their story, you know, make sure that I continue to ask people to, to tell their story. I think that's maybe even the, the second piece and kind of to flip it on its head is, ask people their story when you get to know them. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I'll add one one more thing to that. Telling your story helps other people know that they're not alone in whatever it is that they're going through. Because although each of us have our own individual stories and, you know, they're very specific to us and our world and what we're going through, oftentimes we can feel like we're going through something alone or that nobody can relate to us. And I would argue that oftentimes that's not true. It's just that we either haven't come across a person who, who is, can relate to our story or maybe, to, to, to your point, Heath, 
we're not telling our story enough or we're not asking people to tell their story enough so that we can see that, hey, I'm not in this alone. I am not the only the only father that that struggles with, you know, homeschooling his his kids right now in this pandemic. I'm not the only the only husband that that sometimes finds himself in the doghouse. I'm not the only professional who feels at times like he's failing at his job. So that's 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 another thing I think to take away yeah. from the storytelling piece of it. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's that's awesome. Something I like. Again, I think what's interesting and and why we started this project was we both like have a passion for leadership, relationships, and culture, uh, and you know there's a lot of those lessons that can be learned just from the things that are out there, like the movie The Sandlot, like what Tori just came up with that I didn't even think about. And so I know some of you guys are going to have some stuff if you go and watch it. We'd love to hear about that, um, just to to get that additional perspective for sure. So I got a little bit of a follow on that I think is kind of takes us down a different path, but it, it's it's really Smalls' story and kind of my like an internal reflection, similar to what you made me do about telling my story, but internal reflection as a parent of some times that I know that I've failed. Uh, but this kind of stuck out to me. So kind of towards the beginning of the movie, uh, Smalls and his mom have this conversation about uh, Smalls wanting to learn to play baseball. And he said that his stepdad, Bill, had told him that he would teach him. And it kind of, you know, fast forward a little bit. He goes, talks to Bill, and Bill's doing something on the kitchen table. He's working. Yeah, which dates the movie because there's no computer or yeah. phone. <laughs> uh, he's literally got pieces of paper. Uh, but Bill says, like, yeah, I'm really busy right now. I promise I'll, I'll play. And then Smalls' mom, like, kind of forces him into that. So kind of the first question I, I had was, I know I'm guilty of this. Like, how many times have you told your kids that you were going to do something for them and then found every way possible to not do that, either intentionally or unintentionally? If I'm being honest, every single day. Every single day. Uh, I Even today, when I get home, my kids are undoubtedly going to ask me to do something, to play, to listen to a story, to watch something that they think is funny on TV. And I am probably going to say, hang on a second, and go do something else and maybe come back to them you know, 20 minutes later. Or if they keep asking me, I'm probably just going to say, hang on again and again and again. Yeah, I... I 100% am guilty as well. But what I thought was really cool about this was the fact that Smalls' mom didn't let Bill get away with it. That was awesome. And I think, like, kind of the, the overall dime is, hey, parents, like, be cognizant of this, but be cognizant of your spouse doing this and kind of take the approach that Smalls' mom did, right? She didn't yell and scream or get upset. She just kind of gave him that look and be like, hey, you know, hey, Bill, like you can take like 15 minutes. You can take a little break. And she's but she's very smooth about it, like didn't let Smalls just give up. And I mean, he ends up getting hit in the eye with a baseball. <laughs> yeah. And then the other kind of defining moment of this being 1993, he takes the raw steak out of the fridge, yeah. puts it right on his eye. Leave it on there for an hour. <laughs> it'll be fine. Uh, but like it was – 
I don't know, it, it was just it was really cool to kind of see you know a uh, unit a parental unit and and Bill was a stepdad so he's probably learning how to you know kind of manage all this and everything like that but then having the mom step in and and starting that connection because we see later on in the movie is as small as plays more baseball and you know everything happens like they actually have a connection and baseball ends up being that connection yeah so I think that that's kind of also cool how. He was trying to get out of it. He gets forced into it, and then that is what kind of brings them around to Smalls. I think at the end says, "You know, I don't have to worry about what I call him. Like it's no longer a question." Because throughout the movie, he calls him Dad or Bill. He's like, "It's just it's Dad now." Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool, and just you know, kind of out of the beginning of the movie, you've got the parents working together to make the the best. Yeah. And no, I think that is awesome, man. And it's it's really cool to see. Um, and it's what's really refreshing and, 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 and I hope you guys also get this when you're listening is people don't do what we're doing right now. People don't openly say like, yeah, I sort of ignore my kids when they want <laughs> something from me. We like, know, we know all of you just laughed by the way, <laughs> right? as I snickered because <laughs> right? you know that you do it as well. Right. Like. But people don't don't do that, and so what's really refreshing uh, is just kind of going back to to what I was just talking about with, with the storytelling piece of it is Heath and I now now have have a have a new understanding in that I know that I'm not alone, that I'm not the only person that tells my kid to hang on. He knows that he's not the only person that tells his children to hang on, and now you know if you have kids that you're not the only person that tells your children to hang on. And so keep that in mind, and uh, man, that was a good one. That was a good one. I, I, I really yeah. like that one for, for, for parents, for sure, or for future parents. Yeah, and it's that accountability with your, yeah. your spouse as well, which I think is, is awesome as you kind of form that team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, cool. Let's go to the next dime, man. Uh, so in the movie – Small shows up to the field or to the, to the sandlot, and he's he's got his little toy glove. It's not even a real baseball glove. It's a little plastic thing that is that he got for Christmas, and he's like way in the outfield, just hoping somebody will notice him. But as he's narrating, what he notices something about this team, and he says he noticed that they never pick sides. They never really even kept score. They just they they never even really stopped playing the game. It just went on forever. And a couple minutes later, uh, Smalls gets a ball hit out to, to to the outfield. He misses it. He falls down. Uh, he tries to throw it back. All all the all the boys laugh at him, and he runs home and says, "My life is over." Benny comes to his house, invites him out the next day. He shows up the next day, and all the other guys are like, Benny, why did you bring this guy out here? He's a certified L7 weenie. He's a loser, Oscar Mayer even. And so Benny tells yeah, yeah, hey, why, why are you clowning this guy? You run like a duck. And he's like, yeah, but, 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 but. And then Benny goes, but you're part of the game, right? How come he don't get to be? And I thought that was just so awesome that, you know, I don't know how old these, these, these kids are in this movie. I'd say, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, maybe, somewhere around there. 
that this 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 kid, you know, has number one the courage to be inclusive of of everybody that is on that sandlot. Doesn't matter their skill level, doesn't matter their knowledge of the game, doesn't matter where they come from. He just wants everybody to be a part of the game. He's that that culture changer that we talked about last he week. Is, he is that culture changer. And the other thing that I thought was also cool is they never stop playing the game. It's just a game that goes on and on and on and on and on. And so my second dime is, you know, I I looked at that and I equated it to us as children having dreams about the things that we wanted to be when, when we grow up and how those dreams start to maybe shift a little bit as, as we get older uh, or, you know, they even disappear. And so my dime was, when, when did we stop playing the proverbial game? Yeah, and so as you were, as you were saying that, uh, those of you that know me know I'm a big Office fan. And it reminded me of this quote that Andy Bernard has. I think I'm pretty sure that it's in the last episode. But he says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you actually left them. Oof. And I like, you know, hearing that, I don't know about you. Did, did you have something like the Sandlot growing up? Um, a little bit like, you know, it, it was, it, it was a bit more difficult as a military kid moving around, but everywhere I went, I definitely tried to plug in with the, with the kids who were playing sports and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, and then when, you know, everything changed, we got a basketball hoop at our house, <laughs> then everybody came to our house and, you know, I had sort of my group of friends that would come to my house. We'd all play basketball or we play, we play football in the yard and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely had had the sandlot. Yeah, s- similar kind of to uh, I grew up in a small town, so right across the street was the park. We had a basketball court. We called it the grounds. Nice. So similar, I like to, it. yeah, similar to sandlot uh, where we got to. You know, I played a lot of basketball over there. I remember like getting the shovel out and shoveling snow off the court just to go play. And then we had a ball field that was down the road, Centennial Park, uh, where we played nice. little league. So it was a lot of fun. But dude, I, I, like that question of. Like, when did we stop playing the game? That's that's interesting. And I think that that could be, like, what leads a lot of us to, you know, tell our kids to hang on or, you know, we'd rather – I don't know that we'd rather, but we end up doing work versus, you know, playing that game with the kids. So, Yeah. Man. Or, like, the people that live – try to live vicariously through through their children. If you have kids who are, who are in sports and they're – and maybe they're really good. You ever see those those parents at games that almost want their the team to win more more than the kids do, and <laughs> it matters more to them that that their that their child or this team reaches a certain pinnacle that maybe they never reached. Yep, like it's that's that's kind of what I think about, and it's one of those things where you know just because you get older doesn't mean you have to get older. I want you guys to hear that. Just just because you get older doesn't mean you have to get older. Wow. Yeah. Man, uh, that's great. Yeah, let that one let that one sink in, you guys. That was a dime. That was my first double dime. I'm yeah. I'm gonna claim it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And man, I think what was so cool about that too is they were a team. 
Yeah. Right? Like, those kids went to bat for each other. Uh, like, just thinking about rewatching it now. You know, that hot day, none of them wanted to play except for Benny. Yeah. And so they all, like, conned him in to go into the pool. And that's where we get the infamous squints, uh, you know, smooching uh, Wendy Peppercorn as he pretends to drown. Yeah. <laughs> but, Epic like, scene in the movie, by the way. <laughs> but, like, it was just it, – it's it's that kind of, like, you know, that group mentality that they they didn't allow themselves to take things too seriously. You know, it was – I think it was Benny maybe that uh, tells Smalls this, but he's like um, something about it's it's baseball. Stop thinking and just play the game. Yeah. Uh, which like is also kind of like pretty profound of just like just have fun, man. Like just enjoy enjoy the moment. Yeah. And I think I think that's. You know, as adults, that's kind of the thing that we lose a little bit is we lose some of that, you know, friendship and that ability. And maybe maybe we do it to ourselves, but, you know, that person you can pick up the phone with or, you know, FaceTime in the, the middle of the day and just like, hey, man, how's it going? Just like pick it up, you know, where it, where it just left off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of like one, one, one of my really good friends. He's like a brother to me. Uh, we met when we were in seventh grade. And when he and I get together, you know, we're, we're both 30, 32, 33 years old. But when he and I get together, we turn into seventh graders again. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're, we're laughing and we're reminiscing about things, things from middle school. And, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the same handshake that we did all those years ago in, in middle school. And I think that's, before the NBA made it cool, yeah, to do yeah. the handshake. Of course, before the NBA made it cool, they 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 took our style. Uh, but and I can remember times when my wife's been around and she's like, "You guys are like, you guys are so childish. You guys are you guys are like children. Look at you, like." But I think that's that's the thing because you've heard people like say refer to life as a game, right? Like, oh, we're just trying to win in this game of life or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, so if, if if you even look at it from 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 that perspective, if life is a game, why stop playing? You never know what's going to happen. Just because you you didn't get hired for that job or you didn't get uh, that opportunity didn't pan out the way you thought it would, or the relationship didn't pan out the way you thought it would, you never know what's going to happen. But if you count yourself out, if you just don't take the shot, you will inevitably miss it you know i miss a thousand percent of the shots that i never take wayne gretzky michael scott yeah those of you that know know why i said michael scott <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so keep keep playing the game yeah i dude that's that's great and i think that goes back into what you were saying about not keeping score right life is not about keeping score yeah it, it's not about trying to one-up someone else it's about building others up just like benny did with smalls and you know, Smalls ended up hitting a home run, which That's huge. which led them into some predicaments. <laughs> uh, which, if you're ready, like I'm ready to give another dime as it, they man. as they lead into this predicament, right? Yeah. So Benny builds Smalls up. Smalls hits a home run, and they all kind of get mad at Smalls because now they've lost their baseball to the beast. Uh, but 
Scotty Smalls has an idea. And he goes back and takes Bill's baseball signed by none other than uh, some lady, I think. Baby Ruthie? Yeah, Baby Ruthie, something like that. Which, before we get into the dime, uh, another quiz for you real quick. Just to, and those of you listening, just see how many of these you can get. You know how many different names they call Babe Ruth? Or, you know, any of the names that they call him in the movie? Yeah. So we got the Sultan of Swat. Yep. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. The King of Crash. Um, the Great Bambino. Uh, those are all I can remember. Uh, the, the only other one that I think they say in the movie is Titan of Terror. Oh, yeah, the Titan of Terror. Yeah. yeah. So uh, good job out of you on that. No, uh, But it's just funny. So he goes and gets that baseball, right? And he, he brings it back. And uh, they, you know, start playing again and end up losing that ball. Actually, I think, was that the one that Scotty hit? I think Ham, yeah. Ham hit the home run. Because they got mad at Ham because it was going to stop them from playing. Yeah. And they throw the gloves. Scotty goes and gets the ball, and then he exactly. hits yeah, yeah. the Babe Ruth baseball over the fence. Yeah. His own ball that he stole. Yeah. Yeah. So. And they're actually happy for him because it's his first home run. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and then they and then he's the one that's uh, he's yeah. the only one that's upset, and yeah. they couldn't understand why. Yeah. Sorry, uh, had to get back into that mindset of uh, what actually happened, but still tracking. Uh, Baseball's over the fence, bottom line. Yep. And the Beast has the ball. And this was after, you know, the, we've already seen the scene where they're up and spend the night in the clubhouse. And they, you know, teach Smalls all about the the Beast and, and why he's bad. And this kind of leads me to start thinking, Scotty, as soon as the ball's over, they tell him they can't go get it. He's like, well, why don't we just go knock on the door? Easy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, like, they all hold him back, and they tell him this story about how uh, the Beast, like, ate a kid. Yeah. And uh, so that's why they can't go over there. And Mr. Myrtle's the meanest old man that ever lived. Yeah. And, and that kind of led me to this question. And this is going to be, I think it's like a three- or four-part dime. Uh, you're going to get a lot for your money today, I promise. Yeah. How many times have you looked at an obstacle – and seen it as something way bigger than it actually is. Oof. And it, like, I thought about this because they see the beast as this giant, like, man eating, child eating dog, and it's not. Right? But even as they are trying out some of their uh, ways to get the ball back, like in the movie, they, as Scotty's telling this story, yeah. you know, this. This dog has paws that are like the size of a grizzly bear kind of thing. So it was, it was just interesting. But I, I, I thought about that and I was like, man, like we look at a lot of the things in life. You know, I'm guilty of this. I look at obstacles in my life and I'm like, oh, that's way too big. Yeah. I can never, never, ever achieve that. Well, it's it's like the, the legend and folklore around the beast, right? You know, Squint is telling the story, but it's, it's the story that's been – completely, you know, exaggerated uh, either by squints, by the rest of the guys, but needless to say, it's a much larger story. And I think it's the same thing when we look at these problems. Sometimes we either hear stuff from the proverbial peanut gallery saying, 
hey, oh, no, no way. You can never start your own business. Like, you know how much that's going to cost you? You know how much you could lose? And it's it's all these things that, that people have, have heard or or experienced and all that kind of stuff. Or we, we tell ourselves those things, you know, which is what out, outside of Scotty Smalls, who was like, hey, we can just knock on the door. Everybody else was like, no, of course you can't knock on the door because X, Y, Z, Mr. Myrtle, the beast, he's going to eat you forever, forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that quote. Um, it, yeah, it, yeah I, I just, man, I, I just think back in my own life and, you know, how many times I talked myself out of doing something or, uh, like, stopped myself from you know, trying that difficult task and, and I probably didn't need to. And I also like, that kind of makes me think, how do I, I set up my kids so they don't think that, right? So they don't have that either negative self-talk or the negative talk from those around them. Like in this case, it wasn't necessarily negative talk, but it was like the talk of, oh, we could never just go, go knock on the door. So for me, like, it was just kind of an interesting kind of self-reflection as we as we thought about that. Yeah. But what what I thought was kind of cool is, yeah, they talked Scotty Smalls out of doing that, but they didn't just give up on him, nope. and they didn't they didn't just say like, "Hey, bro, like you're on your own. Like that sucks that you know you just lost Bill's signed baseball." Uh, they actually help him out, right? And so Benny devises this plan like. All right, spread out. We've got to get a bu- we got to collect a bunch of pop cans. Which are you a pop or a soda guy? Soda. It's pop. You're it's wrong. Obviously, soda. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, and so they like you see them kind of fan out, and they go get ninety eight cents because uh, that's what it costs to get a new baseball. And uh, then you see Benny signing it, which I don't know if any of you caught it. He signed it, Babe Ruthie. He put a little E on the end, and then uh, Smalls took it home and put it up on the mantle uh, back where it was. But, like, you know, that just kind of goes to show already that in this short time of this summer, they've already, you know, accepted Smalls in, and they're going to help him, you know, get it back. Yeah. They, they see this problem, and they know it's not just a problem for Smalls. It's a problem for, for all of them. Yeah. So I think uh, – like I very much appreciate, you know, just how much they saw someone in need and, you know, went about uh, helping him. And then like they have this problem, right? They got to get this baseball back. And what I thought was really cool and kind of part of it was they started this kind of brainstorming session. Yeah. And then you've got these kids who are going to start making up, ways to go get this baseball back and i kind of thought about this uh twofold so one good on them for brainstorming uh even before brainstorming like good on them for figuring out a problem we'll see later on that's not the actual problem so uh maybe they could use some refinement there yeah but uh three like they they started innovating right they were innovative and they kind of thought through you know, how to, uh, how to potentially get this ball. So one thing I'll say is innovation is very much a kind of a buzzword today in society. And we've got to figure out, 
you know, the fastest way to do everything and a new and, and better way to do it. Innovation. Yeah. And I will just say, like, one critique on these kids is they went to innovation kind of just for innovation's sake when, you know, they could have just literally knocked on the door. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, good, good on them for trying and, and for doing this. So the first one they do, they get a long wooden, like, broom handle, and they're just going to go get the ball. And this is where we start to see Smalls' story. He has now been influenced by what his friends told him. And the dog, like, attacks this broom handle as they're about to get the baseball and takes a big bite out. And, like, that thing is destroyed. So they kind of regroup. They get a little bit uh, craftier. Now they get, like, some metal pieces, put an actual pot on the end of it. And they've kind of created, like, a, a, a scoop or something they can actually, like, kind of hide the ball. Yeah. They get it out there, and sure enough, as soon as they're over top of the ball, that's when we see this big, like, bear paw <laughs> that no dog is ever going to, you know, have. And it just, like, clamps down. And then you see the exaggeration of Smalls. That big metal piece with the pot uh, gets flung back over the fence, all mangled and, and rearranged. Yeah. Then, like, even more kind of cool, they break out the three vacuums, hook all three vacuums up, got the long, like, tube with the catcher's mask ready to suction the ball up. Those kids are creative. I thought it was, like, they this whole time, too, they have this, like, homemade periscope. Yeah. That they're, like, they've got this, you know, kind of uh, crew line where, you know, lower it, move it forward. Yeah. And the treehouse <laughs> conveniently happens to be overlooking the fence where the beast is is yeah. trapped they, in. Yeah, they were smart. Uh, and I thought it was funny, too. Like, they start with one vacuum. It doesn't work. <laughs> firing number two. Yeah. Firing number three. And then eventually, if you've seen the movie, like, it causes a big explosion because the beast bends the pipe and it, uh, you know, kind of backs up. And I think it was – it's either Tommy or Timmy, like, has that, like, full-on yeah. explosion of just the dust that was all picked up by the vacuums, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, but what's interesting, right right at that part, once he, he shakes the dust off his face and he goes, I think we're going about this the wrong way. Yeah, yep, yep. And what does he call for? Do you remember? Oh, no, I don't. He calls for an airborne attack. Yeah. And so this is when they create the pulley system and hook up Yeah Yeah with the, the catcher's uh, chest protector and lower him down. And this was like... A potential for a turning point, right? Like, yeah, yeah, gets lowered down. He's about to pick up the baseball, like has it in his hand, and he comes, you know, beak to beak with the beast. And the beast doesn't really do anything. No, he doesn't. But yeah, yeah, gets scared, yells. They all like flail and uh, like basically like drop him on the ground, and they have to like pull him up super quick. And so, he drops the ball. Yeah, and of like. course, yeah, yeah, <laughs> drops the ball. So. Uh, the kind of next one after that, because that doesn't work, Smalls is like, we're going to definitely innovate. We're going to use science. Pulls out his erector set, you know, has this like cart that he builds with this like bridge and, and kind of tunneled down with the catapults. Like this is going to, this is going to work. They get everything in place, get ready to catapult the ball. And of course the beast comes and, and catches the ball. So like good on these kids, right? They have, trial and error they have worked they haven't given up but now they're like they're kind of feeling uh defeated yeah 
And, you know, one kind of critique of this is maybe this would have been a good time to, like, start to assess, like, hey, did we actually figure out the right problem? And maybe they could have come around. Again, I understand this is a movie. They wrote this the way they did. But just as you're thinking about this, as you're kind of understanding this dime and and working through this, the the thing that I want you guys to kind of take away is as you're going through your trial and error, sometimes you got to step back and reassess the problem. Did you actually get after the root cause or did you just maybe find some contributing factors to that problem? And now if you readdress that problem, you can actually find the solution. You may not even have known what the real problem was, but your trial and error and your examples and experiments kind of led you to what that problem is. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, it's like the, the, the quote that they say, you know, you, somebody can't see the forest through the trees, I think is the way it's put. If I mess it up, just go look up the quote. <laughs> yeah. It's a forest tree quote. Um, but it's, I think you're right. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I might be right. I might be wrong. It's okay if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm only batting 50 percent uh, this this show anyway, but I think that's a great point because when we're in the thick of the situation we're going through or the problem or whatever it is, we're sometimes we're too close to it to see that maybe this isn't the actual problem. You know, when those when the boys were going through you know their iterations of different ways to retrieve that ball, they were too close to it to see. That, hey, maybe Smalls was right. Maybe if we just go knock on the door, we could get the ball. Or maybe if we just do arguably the easiest thing besides knocking on the door and just jump the fence and somebody get the ball, which do it that way. Which, thank you for setting me up for that because that's what happens next, right? Yeah. Benny goes and gets a new uh, PF Flyers, which, you know, kind of side note, like, where did he get the brand new PF Flyers? If they didn't have ninety-eight cents to buy a baseball, true. Where did he get the new the PF Flyers to lace up? But that's an unknown gem. Yeah, but anyway, before that, uh, they kind of they have a dream. Smalls has a dream that basically he's never going to get the ball back, and but Benny has this dream, and, and it has probably one of the best quotes uh, from the Sandlot. Right? It's uh, from Babe Ruth. It's heroes live forever, but legends never die, which is. Is super awesome, and and I think in in Smalls's eyes, you know, Benny is that legend. Yeah, and and really, the Sandlot is that legend. Yep. So uh, anyway, he laces up the PF Flyers, jumps over the fence, grabs the ball, jumps back over the fence, and that's where we see now the infamous chase scene, where you know the Beast chases him all around town, the you know through a like I don't know a school or something with where they're yeah. like watching a movie. Uh, through the pool, uh, through, all, was it a wedding or like a big fair? Yeah, they jump over the cake. Yeah, uh, but it then full circle. They come back to the sandlot, and Benny hops back over the fence, and the beast sort of follows him, but instead of jumping over it this time, crashes through it. And this is where I think you see that that kind of change and understanding from Smalls that the beast isn't actually the problem. Their only problem was the fence. Yeah. So the fence falls on beast. Smalls is like trying himself to to pick it up. Everyone else is kind of like laying back because they still kind of believe this folklore. But then Benny comes and helps him and lifts it off beast. And there's kind of this like tense moment of what is beast going to do? 
and he comes right up to Scotty Smalls and just starts licking him. Yeah. Which is, you know, super awesome. And like I, I like to me that's kind of just the the turning point of understanding what the problem was. They go knock on the door, meet Mr. Myrtle, uh, and understand that Mr. Myrtle is not mean. Not at all. Right. They could have just knocked on the door. And he ends up giving him a new baseball, ends up that Mr. Myrtle actually played baseball, played with uh, George, yeah, as he calls him, uh, and you know, and, and makes the comment like uh, he even asked him like, "Why didn't you just knock on the door? I would have gotten you the ball." And then they they kind of he kind of says like, "Hey, uh, you know, we can be friends, and I just want you guys to come over once a week and talk baseball." Yeah, and I think that was kind of an interesting point of how this mean old man got this like bad reputation, even though all he really wanted was just somebody to tell his story to. Yeah. And, you know, talk about somebody with a good story, you know, that'd be, you know, that's the kind of person, you know, that you probably want to sit down and, and learn from. Yeah. So uh, all of that really just to, to kind of say is when you're going into problem solving, the, I think the, most like the key point you have to to get after is identifying the problem yeah and if you it, right now if you googled like problem solving techniques almost all of them and, and i i pulled up two that i kind of were, was interested in one is the ideal and then one is the i decide model and both of them the first i is identify the problem got to start there and, and that's what the, the kids tried to do, right? And, like, what the only kind of area that I think that they failed in was once they had a failure was kind of debriefing that. And that's where, like, you know, even Tori and I, as we, we had our first podcast, you know, we reached out to some people and we tried to get some feedback on, you know, are we, are we doing this right? You know, what kind of things can we improve on? Because both of us come from a culture and an understanding of, you know, you need that feedback. You need that debrief so you can look and make things better. Yeah, for sure. And like my, I guess my big ask and kind of the overall kind of thing for this dime is don't let an obstacle or a problem seem too big for you because you've misidentified what that obstacle or problem is. Ooh. That's a good one. That is a really, really good one. And my, like, you just have to keep working at it. And you may not know what that obstacle or problem is right away, and that's okay. That's where you can get, you know, help. You can share your story. Maybe somebody has a similar situation, and they can help you identify that problem or work through it. And as you're trying to solve it, make sure that you take some time to not just act, but to look back, evaluate, you know, the activities that you've done. And if you're interested in that, both the ideal model and the I decide model both kind of have, you know, similar. So ideal being identify the problem, define and represent the problem, explore possible strategies, act on those strategies, and then look back and evaluate the strategy, the effects of your activities. And then I decide you're going to identify the problem, define the objectives, 
enumerate possible root causes. I think it was a real stretch there to use enumerate. Yeah, but for I, sure. But I like that one because it talks about root causes. And then uh, create list of possible solutions, identify the, the final solution, develop an action plan, and then evaluate the results and improve. I'm not saying that you're going to remember that. I'm never going to remember that. So my big ask for you is just remember, like, identify the problem, figure out what you're going to do about the problem. If that first thing didn't solve it, stop, reevaluate, make sure you've identified the right problem before you go back and act again. That's a good one. Um, so we told you, you, you guys, that you're going to get your money's worth on this show as far as dimes are concerned. And you are because as you were talking through that time about misidentifying the problem, the problem wasn't that they couldn't get the ball. The problem was the fence that keyed me in on something, uh, the fence. And so I, I want you guys to get this one. Telling your story, never picking sides, being part of that team, that fence is still the problem. Even today, if you look at what's going on in the world, you look at what's going on in society, we look at problems, we look at people, we look at organizations, and we say, I don't belong. Or maybe we're, we're the smalls of of an organization or of, of, of a society, if you will, or maybe we're the rest of the guys in the sandlot that, that, that are looking at smalls and saying L7 weenie. There was a fence there. It was an invisible fence, but there was a fence there because there was a complete disregard for wanting to get to know who smalls was except for one person, Benny. And it's really interesting that Benny was the same one who climbed over this invisible fence to get to know who Smalls was, to bring him into their team. But he was also the one who climbed over this physical fence. And so these fences that we put around each other or these fences that we put up uh, that give us an excuse to not get to to know somebody or, or to, to not get to understand somebody's worldview or their point of view or or their experiences they're still here it's our choice whether or not we want to misidentify the problem as oh they don't they they grew up in a different place than i did or you know we don't like the same things or uh you know they're not good for our image or whatever the case is or to properly identify the problem and look at the fence that you don't see between you and that other person. That, that was all I wanted to add. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, that's great. I, I hope you guys, like, you kind of see as we, we talk through this, like, this truly is a passion for us. And we aren't, we aren't going into these episodes necessarily with every single thing that we want to say. We've got some ideas, but we truly believe that we can learn a lot from, you know, just the everyday things that happen to us if we just take a second to understand that story and look at it as a learning opportunity. So, dude, like, as we wrap up, can you just give us a quick synopsis of the the couple dimes that you dropped? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the first time that I dropped was about telling your story and the fact that everybody's got a story. And you never know how much your story is going to impact and inspire others. So don't be afraid to tell your story. That's, that's the first dime. The second dime is about never stopping to never, never stop playing that game. In this, in this game of life, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be um, wins. There's going to be big celebrations. But, don't, but you, you, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You never know what opportunities might present themselves. But if you stop playing the game, then one thing is for sure is that the, the things that are there for you and that, could, that are within your reach, um, you'll more than likely never, never attain. Uh, those, those, those were the first two. And then this last one here that I, I just talked about is uh, the fences, the, the invisible or the physical fences that, that we put up um, in society, that we put up for ourselves or that we put up in the way that we view the world or view other people. Having the courage to step over that fence, to understand another person, to get a different point of view, to be like Benny and not be like the rest of the gang and look at somebody or something and say it's an L7 Winnie, but to be more inclusive, to be, um, to, to, to embrace everybody. What are your dimes? Yeah. So, uh, first one for me was, you know, just as a parent, as a, a friend, don't be afraid to take that break, uh, and go have fun. Yeah. Don't be that parent. Don't be that friend that gets stuck doing work after you've promised a friend or your kid that you're going to do something. And with that, if you see someone doing that, if you're a spouse or a friend of that friend, like, you know, call them out. But do it in a way that isn't demeaning or disrespectful, but just kind of remind them, like, hey, take a chance, have some fun, and... um you know, follow through with what you did. And then the last one that kind of had multiple dimes was just uh, when we looked at the beast versus the Sandlot team or, or Hercules really, as they later find out is don't look at obstacles as, as too big, especially when that obstacle or problem is something that you didn't define correctly or didn't recognize correctly. And as you're trying to solve or go through those obstacles, Make sure you take some time to, to evaluate the things that you did and determine if you're just attacking a symptom or a contributing factor to that problem and not necessarily uh, the root cause. And the other piece is don't be afraid to go get help from your friends. Uh, I didn't necessarily say that one when we talked through that, but it was kind of implied as the friends all helped Smalls uh, get all that back. Yeah. So overall, like we hope you, you guys took something away. We hope that, you know, you go watch the Sandlot, maybe come up with some of your own dimes. We'd love to, we definitely love to hear those. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, we just want to say, you know, thanks, uh, for listening to episode one. Thank you for those that, you know, took the time to give us some feedback. Uh, both Tori and I, again, are, are very open to, you know, hearing some feedback for you. Things that you guys would like to hear from us, things we missed, things like future episodes you'd like us to cover. Yeah, uh, we're we're open to you know a bunch of different topics. I did get like 
right now we've kind of covered two uh, TV shows, kind of movies, uh, but I promise we'll kind of venture out. But we'd love to, you know, kind of go after those topics that interest, you know, you as the listener. And the last thing I'll say, I've said it a couple times now, this is really a passion project for us. So we hope that you're having as much fun listening as we are creating this. Yeah, because it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. And if you are enjoying it as much as we are creating it, we would love for you to go subscribe, rate, and review on either uh, – what if you're listening on an Apple podcast, do it on an Apple podcast. If you're listening to it on Spotify, do it on Spotify. And then we'd love for you to have to reach out on – love to have you reach out to us on Twitter and we're at dropping dimes. That's dropping D I G M S. So at dropping dimes on Twitter, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to interact with you and, you know, just to, to really just to get to know you and and get to know the folks that are actually listening and, and hopefully learning from us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, today, just like episode one, we took some regular things, we flipped a script, and we dropped some dimes. So what are the regular things you can take in your day, flip the script, and turn them into some dimes? All right. See you guys next time. See you.